if you go through that process and say, hey, this type of account should average this, but on a typical bad year, you could be down this much in dollars, I think people would understand that a little bit more and really know if they're comfortable with that portfolio at the end of the day. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Well, just like all things, when we look back over time, we see a lot of the mistakes we made. We would maybe do things differently in hindsight. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to look back on some of the financial decisions that people commonly make and have made in 2020 and talk about maybe things we would have done differently if we could do it all over again. That's our goal today on the show. And again, the reason why we do it is because hopefully going forward, we've learned these lessons over the past uh, decisions we've made. We can apply those to our financial planning moving forward. So that's what we'll do today on All Things Retirement. I am Ben George, along with Anthony Alpha, as always. He is a certified financial planner and founder at Cardinal Wealth Group. You can get his tax-free retirement toolkit online. You can also find the book he's co-authored online as well. Anthony, good to talk to you again. Yeah, nice to be here, Ben. How's everything around the office as you guys kind of transition towards the, the you know, final quarter of the year here? Yeah, we kind of do more of a, a surge uh, towards the end of the year, starting right now to meet with clients for year-end planning, uh, looking at taxes and just market updates and, and financial plan updates at this point. So we are doing a lot of stuff still virtually. A lot of the clients are not opt in to come in, which is perfectly fine. We you know, have the technology to do it that way and, and have been doing it this way before COVID. And we've had some clients that are coming in and, and we have a proper precaution set up with masks and, and distancing in, in our conference room. So all things are kind of overall, I think, just normal. And um, we're, we're dealing with it just like everyone else. It's great to hear. And if you ever want to do schedule a time with Anthony, it's very easy to do. You can log on to cardinalwg.com. There's a schedule meeting link. You can either set up a meeting at the office or a phone conference. So whatever is easiest for you, you can do that right there through the website cardinalwg.com. We got our main topics I mentioned. We're going to talk about hindsight. We got some mailbag questions a little bit later in the show. So stick around at the end. But I want to leave things off with a little bit of news recently for some people that might have missed this because there's so much going on right now it's, it's very easy to overlook some things but ExxonMobil has been replaced by Salesforce as part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. You know, Exxon's been a part of the Dow since 1928, which is crazy how long, almost 100 years. Imagine trying to explain to someone from 1928 exactly what Salesforce <laughs> is and what they do. Yeah, I mean it it's hard to fathom that in a lot of ways when if you think about it not too long ago, ExxonMobil was the biggest stock on the in the S and P 500. I, I think the share price was around 100 or 75 to 80 in that range, and and was had the most shares uh, sold. So you know things do change, and I think probably with some of the oil prices, that probably hasn't hurt uh, helped too much. And I'm pretty sure it's down somewhere around 30 35 bucks a share. So that's a pretty far cry from 80 or 90 to $90 a share. But, you know, I think that just goes to show that in many ways, I think in many ways that diversification is undervalued still. And you have a lot of people that are just owning individual stocks and not diversifying enough and holding on to some of these names like GE, uh, maybe Citigroup and, and whatnot that have been a part of the things like the Dow for such a long time. And you almost think like it can't happen to you and you have some type of bias built in there. 
And I think that that's something that's really important for people to understand. But, you know, no doubt that I think in another 50 years or 40 years, we'll have some of those same companies that are in the Dow now where we'll be in that same type of situation that maybe Salesforce won't be in there in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a sign of the times of, of kind of where we're headed and how much technology is, is impacting our day-to-day. And those companies now are, are legit companies. It's no longer, you know, just kind of a, a fad. And, you know, if you haven't embraced it, you know, it's, it's probably, it might be his time to do so because <laughs> things are changing. And these stocks, like you mentioned, GE and some of these blue chip companies that have been around, been around forever, you know, they don't have the same impact that they, they used to have. And, and, you know, we all evolve and it's, it's very interesting to see, but this is just kind of one of the, the examples of that is Exxon mm-hmm. is now out of the Dow Jones industrial average. Very interesting. Well, let's, let's get into our main topic today and, and dive into this hindsight and look back on some things that we, you know, maybe have learned over the course of this year and just some kind of generally speaking, some of the things that you, know, you might hear from people that look back at their financial planning or their finances in general and just wish they would have done things differently now, knowing now what we know then. And, and, and hopefully these lessons we can learn and apply them moving forward. But let's start with a couple that are relevant to this year specifically. And the first one, you might hear this. I got scared after the market crashed during coronavirus and put my money in cash now I'm kicking myself for missing the huge run up in the market, and I'm just sitting around waiting for it to crash again so I can get back in. You know, I think we're all a little guilty of you know living in the past and, and doing the hindsight 2020 thing, but I think it's important at the end of the day that you really chalk up any losses that you feel or things that you could have or should have done better and just really focus on what you can do now going forward. And we had a, a recent client that just came on board where they've been kind of doing it themselves for the last 20 plus years and they got to retirement and January was great. And then all of a sudden, February, March just you know completely changed their outlook on doing it themselves. And they reached out to us and just said, look, we, we moved all our money over to, to cash and this is back in June and we still haven't gotten back in the market and we're just uncomfortable we're, we feel stuck and you know when i asked them about their plan they you know it was kind of like crickets they didn't really ever have a plan that they were going off of they just kind of did some napkin math and and some excel work and, and so you know we helped to work with them and just say hey let's not focus on what happened six months ago and let's just talk about the future and what you have what you need and you know you get back on the saddle and you get a plan together and figure out on how you're going to get back into the right plan for you. And for some people, maybe you don't need to be as aggressive and as you maybe were at, at that point, but waiting until the next crash again for it to come back down to get back in, I mean, we could be looking at another decade. You, you don't know, right? If you go back to 2008, it really took a good 12 years for that to happen. Yeah, we had a little bit of few instances, but they were really short pullbacks uh, along the way. For the most part, it was a bull run that lasted really about 12, 12 years overall. Yeah, I guess too, you know, even if you were waiting from 2008 and, and even those times where they had those pullbacks, you probably even would have sat there and go, well, how low is this going to get? Let me just keep waiting to see how low mm-hmm. it's going to get. You're never going to find the perfect time to get in in the market when you've, when you've waited that long. So It's it, been it, proven time and time again that uh, timing is not only really hard to do, it, it's really a fool's game at the end of the day to try to time the market because, again, nobody really knows. And if you just pull yourself back from a day-to-day standpoint and really look at some of the, just a chart, a graph over 
the last 15 years, you can see like how much it has gone up. And, and yeah, there's a lot of squiggly lines if you get really close to it. And that's where a lot of people live day to day. But you just got to get a little bit further away and, and realize that it's continues to go up. And, and sometimes you need that pullback to get a reset to reach to reach new highs. Yeah, great point. If you, if you are still sitting on the sideline from coronavirus, definitely want to sit with a, a financial professional and start uh, deciding how to move forward so that you don't miss out on potentially anything else that happens uh, over, as Anthony mentioned, over the, potentially the next decade if we're, if we're lucky and things continue to go well as they did over the last 10 years or so. Another thing that people have probably learned during this coronavirus market up and down, volatility everywhere, is they might tell you, hey, I wish we would have known you know, how much risk we actually had in our portfolio before we took those big losses. We talk about this every day with, with our clients or new people that we're meeting, and it's one of the most common questions or topics that are brought up. And I think a lot of people who've either been doing it themselves or worked with maybe just an advisor who just did the normal take a risk tolerance questionnaire, take into account maybe your time horizon, and just kind of gave you a portfolio recommendation or, or you went through an online questionnaire and, and you did it yourself, never really understand how much risk that they're taking on. And, it, and it's not a difficult thing to tell people how much risk they're taking. It's just I don't think it's really a question that people have really thought that much about. They've really probably been a lot of times associated with, well, how much am I going to average in this type of account? And, you know, averages work out over a long period of time, but you can have some spikes that go down before you kind of have those averages work out. And so something that we do is not only do we start off with a plan and kind of work backwards to understand what's the minimal amount of risk you need to be successful in your retirement plan, but also not to talk just about percentages. Percentages are confusing for the average person. We try to put it into dollars and cents, which people seem to gravitate to understanding a lot more than a percentage. So if we say that your account, sure, maybe the way that it's invested should average maybe 5%, but putting into dollars and cents and saying, hey, on a really good year, your account could be up $100,000. But understand that on a, on a bad year and, it, and just a normal course of volatility and risk, there's sometimes there's bad years, this account could also be down $85,000. And if you look at their face and, and see their reaction and say, all right, that makes a lot of sense. I'm okay. I understand we have to take some risk to get a reward there. And I'm okay with that. I wouldn't be happy with that type of loss. But if you're saying that that's a typical year that, you know, where it could be a bad typical year, then I'm okay with that. Or you have somebody who's going to say, oh, I'm not okay with that at all. Right. And that's probably what happened to those folks that came in to us in June, where they lost, you know, $100,000 in one month, and it made them very uncomfortable. It wasn't out of the ordinary for the way that they were set up, but they just didn't realize how much risk they were taking, and they sold everything. And so if you go through that process and say, hey, this type of account should average this, but on a typical bad year, you could be down this much in dollars, I think people would understand that a little bit more and really know if they're comfortable with that portfolio at the end of the day. All right. Those are a couple that are more relevant this year, maybe so than most years, but let's go to a few hindsights that uh, you know always kind of work out for people when they look back. And you know, one issue that some people have 
are, deals with Social Security, and they, they'll say, I didn't really understand my options with Social Security, and I should have waited to start taking it later. We see this occasionally where I think it's less that they're saying it and usually more of us maybe bring it up to see if we have the opportunity to undo it if they already started a little early. And a lot of times that might become up because we want to do maybe some tax planning or look at the way that they're withdrawing their different income sources and say, you know, we could really benefit here if we could delay the Social Security a little bit more and use something else. But I, I don't see a lot of people coming in and, and, and saying that often. But I would say that a lot of people go through taking Social Security and not really kind of putting it in the context of their overall plan. And they're really looking at Social Security in a vacuum. And they're just saying, hey, I heard that Social Security might not be there tomorrow or in, in the near future. I want to make sure I get that started. Or I don't know when I'm going to die. And so I paid into this system for the last 30 or 40 years, which I totally get and understand. So I want to make sure I get that started as soon as possible. But in the context of Social Security and what it's there and what it's good for is providing a guaranteed income stream that takes some pressure off of, say, some of your non-guaranteed things like your regular investment account, providing an income. And in most cases, we're not worried about running out of money tomorrow or in the next five years when people are starting off retirement. We're worried about running out of money when we're 85 and 90 or, or later and delaying your Social Security the longer you do that, increases that Social Security amount, which replaces a higher amount of the salary that you have, which will help you down the road when you're much older and taking some pressure off of your investments for performing over a 25, 30 year period. And so I think those are the things that don't always get thought about when they're taking their Social Security, but should kind of enter into the decision. And there's certainly many reasons why you might start Social Security early as well. It's just, you know, kind of having a putting all the cards on the table and really just kind of going through the pros and cons and not just looking at Social Security timing in a, in a vacuum by itself. Gotcha. That's a good sign that uh, a lot of people that you've talked to don't have that regret in hindsight. So that's a good sign that they've done the proper work just ahead of move time. forward you know it's it's you can only do so much right and if you start social security you have an undo where you have basically within one year you can unravel it and, and pay it back most people aren't going to do that you can also stop your social security if you hit your full retirement age and, and delay it from there till say age 70 so that gives you another chance but generally people aren't gonna undo something like that most of the time I wonder how often you hear this one, especially with where we are in terms of tax rates right now, but how often do you hear, I should have put more money in a Roth IRA instead of saving so much in my 401k? Weekly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we hear it a lot, right? And it's, I think, becoming more evident today when you look at our 25 plus trillion dollar deficit issues with Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, where you know, a lot of the yearly spending is already spent when we when we hit January 1st. 85 plus percent is going to Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security and defense spending and towards to pay down the national debt. And when you look at some of the alternative options in order to just like your home, when you drive up a credit card, we need to figure out a way to kind of pay that debt down at some point. And rising taxes is one thing that people in retirement and, and anybody needs to kind of start to think about 
in the future, I think, and, and not just me, other economists would say the same thing, that we need to increase the tax rate in order to pay it down. Obviously, there's other things that we can do, like reduce benefits, but that you know could play out pretty difficult in the newspaper that you're taking benefits away from older folks or, or poor people at the end of the day. So I think rising taxes is something that most of us need to think about. And if you're like the average person who has 70 to 90% of their liquid net worth in an IRA or 401k and never pay taxes, there could be a real risk out there that you could be paying higher amount in the future. And so we have a lot of people that we bring that up to or they're they're coming in with that type of issue. And look, at the end of the day, you got to put your arm around them and say, look, it's not much that you could really do about it. Not only was it common financial advice given by advisors and accountants to don't pay a tax that's not owed and to sock it away into your IRA, 401k and those types of plans where you get a tax deduction. But the Roth IRA didn't really come around into the 80s and, and the Roth 401k, I don't think was really into the 90s. So there was really no other uh, tax preferential account option for most people. And, that, and that's why there's trillions of dollars in, on that side in the, in the pre-tax accounts than, you know, much more than there are in, on the Roth side. Okay. Well, it's something to the people that uh, maybe hear that and, and say, okay, maybe if, if you don't invest in a Roth or don't have much money there, maybe look at that option and talk to Anthony, about uh, whether or not you should be utilizing that a little bit more. And-, and and it's not like because you're in retirement, it's it's too late. There are things that you can do to move the money from your 401k or IRA over to the Roth and, and pay the taxes today. But it doesn't always make sense for everyone to do it. You really got to look at the math because you could penalize yourself and pay a lot more taxes than you maybe would have. And so that's really more of a planning question at this point for people who are maybe already in retirement. But I think it's a great question for some of our younger listeners or younger clients out there who are still in the accumulation stage trying to save to say, maybe I should diversify my tax bucket savings going forward so I'm not in that position when I'm in retirement. And so we, we are always talking to people that ask us, you know, should I put it on the, to the 401k pre-tax side? I, you know, a lot of times I'm saying maybe it makes sense to put some on the Roth 401k side if, if you have that option. It's a good call. Uh, all right. Our last one here on hindsight, and this is the one that we really hope that uh, we don't hear from somebody, but it happens. And that's, I probably retired too early and, and now it's hard to make ends meet. So I might have to go back to work. Well, I, again, I don't hear this one a lot. Be, I think because if, if we're meeting with somebody, we're usually catching them before retirement or just at retirement, we would be having those conversations to say if they were really off track from what they want to do. So I'm lucky, I guess I haven't seen that that much. But I I think it comes down to a planning question at the end of the day, and really just kind of saying, well, how much are you really affected? Like, is is this a gut feeling? Or is there some math showing you that that you might have to go to work? And so just, I know that in the back of people's minds all the time, they're concerned about running out of money, and maybe that they retired too early at, at times. But I think if you put it down on on the sheet uh, or in the software, just understand how much difference or how much you need to lower your budget in order to not go back to work, it might not be that big of a differential. And so I think that's one thing that could help. The other thing is I think a lot of people also do want to go back to work because they find out that 
they like to be a part of something or still be active and and there's nothing wrong with that going back or or just doing a different type of work that is more satisfying more gratifying to get a paycheck or for a side hustle to do some things that you might not be able to do in a typical year because it's going to give you some of that play money so if you do go back to work though because you find out that you need to and you already started social security that's something that you might want to think about, right? You can undo it if you turned it on within a year, or if you're already at full retirement, you could delay it again. So that's something I could think about. Or if it's already too late, you t took Social Security, well, maybe you take that money while you're working and put it towards debt, or you invest it in the market while you're working if you don't need it at that time. So those are some of the things that maybe can get you back on track. And, and I think there are a lot of companies out there right now that would like maybe to to hire people who are qualified, know what they're doing, but are maybe looking for more of a life balance and a reduced schedule. And it could be a win-win for the company and for yourself at the end of the day. Well, all these things can be uh, can be avoided, hopefully, by proper planning, taking some time to go through each of these things uh, before you make the decisions on when you're retiring, Social Security, how much risk you have. All these things are things that you can work with a financial professional on and have an order so you don't have to worry about these things in hindsight. But look, we're always going to have you know some things we look back on and wish we could have done differently. It's just part of life. But live and learn. That's the important thing. And that's what we're trying to help you with here on All Things Retirement. So reach out to Anthony if you need someone to talk to, discuss some of these things. He's available, cardinalwg.com. You can schedule an in-person meeting or a phone call and do it that way, whatever you prefer. Let's go to the mailbag now and, and get a couple questions that came in to the podcast. We'll start with Lily. She writes, should I buy gold coins or gold bars or no gold at all? We just got this question from a client yesterday on a, re on a review <laughs> meeting. And wow. uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think it's really, well, what's the purpose of this money? And if, if it's for retirement and income, you can't really do any income. You can't get income from gold coins and gold bars consistently without selling it. It's more of appreciation type of play. But, you know, gold is going to be more of a commodity or a risk balancing act uh, when the market's not doing well. So I, I don't think that you need to go out and buy gold coins or gold bars uh, necessarily. You can certainly buy a gold ETF or, or fund to get the diversification that you need. And I think in most cases, generally speaking, if, if you're going to have an, a gold position, somewhere in that 2 to 10% range is, is usually enough for diversification purposes. But at the end of the day, figure out what the money's for and you know put it into the plan and talk to your advisor about how it could play a role as a diversifying mechanism. That person that came in to ask you that wasn't uh, Lily by chance, was it? No, no it wasn't Lily. <laughs> okay. Uh, our next question comes in from Tristan. I'm in my late 50s and recently divorced, and I'm extremely worried about what retirement will look like now that I'll have just one Social Security benefit and half of my assets. Can I overcome a divorce this late in life? This is a pretty common one, and it's a fair question and a fair concern to have. And I think that you go back and put a plan together to see you know, where the chips may fall to understand how you're going to be affected by it. There's a lot of uh, clients in their 50s and 60s who, you know, are getting divorced, and it's not uncommon at all. It's just a matter of un understanding how you might be affected by it. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a tough time for that type of curveball, but it is a reality today. And just really understanding how it's going to affect your overall spending ability and, and what alternatives that you might have between now and and retirement. And I think it, uh, from what I can gather, you know, 
on this show working with you and talking with you, Anthony, is it seems like there's not really anything that is too late. I mean, there's always a, you can always get a plan in place for something in your financial life, no matter where you are. We find it all the time that when people come in with a concern, pretty often it's not quite as bad as that they think. Or there's some workarounds that we can do, or maybe that budget that they had in mind, we're not too far off if we are off a little bit. And so here are some things that we can do to get you closer or back on track, or maybe you're doing a lot better than what you think, and it was just more of a emotional type of thing that was keeping you up at night and not really a reality, and, and here's why. Good deal. Well, look, if you have any questions and, and Tristan, I, you know, definitely reach out and sit down with someone that can actually talk you through these things and, and figure out a plan for you. But Anthony is available, cardinalwg.com or over the phone, 609-605-2808. And if you're like Lily or Tristan, have a question that you would like Anthony to answer on the show, you can send it in to us using the website as well. And we will try to get to that on the show. But look, we all look back on, on things, Anthony, wish we could have done differently, but hopefully people will, will learn from some of these things and, and be aware, at least, of some of the more common issues that people wish they would have changed and decisions they would have maybe gone a different direction on had they had the benefit of hindsight. And, and hopefully we learn from that and, and we'll look forward to uh, hopefully talking more about these type of things moving forward, but definitely appreciate the insight today. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Ben. This is great. And I hope you have a great day. Yeah, you as well. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Make sure you hit subscribe for us, whatever platform you listen on, Apple, Google, Spotify, you'll find all things retirement right there. Look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Take care, Ben. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.